I'm Dr. Orion Taraban, and this is PsychHacks, Better Living Through Psychology. And the topic of today's short talk is what you need to heal a betrayal. So betrayals are subject to occurring within relationships, and I'm going to be honest with you, they are very difficult to get through. In many respects, it is often easier to start over with a new relationship than it is to heal a betrayal in a pre-existing one. This might not be what you want to hear, but I don't want to bullshit you. However, let's assume that you are interested in working through a betrayal with your current partner. What then? Well, one thing you have to understand is that violating trust is basically like folding a piece of paper. You can kind of fold it back in the opposite direction and work out the damage, but that paper is going to be creased forever. To some extent, the relationship will never fully go back to the way it was before the awareness of the betrayal occurred. But before I explain how to actually work out this crease, please remember to like this episode and subscribe to this channel. It takes less than a second, costs you nothing, and it's a great way to help spread this message. So if you like what you're hearing, then please do the thing. And if you're thinking about going to grad school, be sure to check out StellarGRE.com. You can use the code PSYCH for 10% off all membership plans. All right, there are two things that need to occur in order to have any kind of reasonable prognosis that the healing process here will actually be successful. Action is required from both parties, so both people need to be very honest with themselves before agreeing to start off on this process. So, what needs to happen? Well, in the first place, the transgressor, the one who violated the trust, needs to non-defensively accept responsibility for the transgression and commit himself or herself to a course of corrective action with full transparency afforded the transgressed party. If the transgressor isn't willing to take full responsibility for the transgression, then it's a non-starter. Assuming partial responsibility, yeah, I did this, but only because you did that, is also not associated with a positive prognosis. However, accepting responsibility isn't enough. After all, the best apology is changed behavior. What's going to be different moving forward? This is the commitment to corrective action, which could mean surrendering a relationship, going to therapy, or acceding to other reasonable demands. And this corrective action cannot be done in private, as this was where the betrayal occurred. Transparent accountability is essential, at least for a time, to restore trust after a betrayal. This phase of the process can take six months to a year, and sometimes more, depending on the magnitude of the betrayal. It will be time-consuming, expensive, and difficult. So transgressors really need to be honest with themselves about their willingness to surrender to this probationary period that will likely require significant effort and behavioral change. If you don't think you can do this, or if you don't want to do this, it might just be better to move on. However, this is only half of the equation. The transgressed party also requires a healthy dose of self-honesty, albeit on a slightly different matter. This person needs to determine whether, if the transgressor were to complete this transparent course of corrective action, he or she would actually be willing to move on, which means to let it go and never bring it up again. And this can be extremely hard. Why? Well, besides the pain and hurt engendered by betrayals, there's a lot of secondary gain that can accrue to the transgressed party as a consequence of that very betrayal. On some level, we believe 
that the injured party now has the power to dictate the terms of the relationship. Because of X, now I get to go through your phone, or now you have to report into me on the hour, or now you have to ask my permission to do things. There is a measure of power and control that is predicated on the continuance of their victim status. And so, unsurprisingly, there can be resistance to letting go of the betrayal on the part of the transgressed, because letting go of the betrayal means simultaneously letting go of the privileges that accrue to occupying a position of victimhood. And that will likely destroy the relationship. The transgressor is likely going to think, hey, you know, I've jumped through all these hoops. I've demonstrated my good faith. I've tried my best. I've served my time. And you still don't trust me? This isn't what I signed up for. If conditions are met, the transgressed has to be willing to forgive the betrayal completely. This means that they don't get to bring it up and hold it over the other person in a fight years after the fact. This is an emotional manipulation strategy to secure leverage in a relationship, and it's toxic. I'm not saying that the transgressed party should be able to completely forgive every betrayal. What I'm saying is that if the transgressed party can't completely forgive the betrayal for whatever reason, he or she probably shouldn't still be in a relationship with the transgressor, and it might just be better to move on. Without those two things, full responsibility and a transparent course of corrective action on the one hand, and a willingness to completely forgive the betrayal if conditions are met on the other, there's honestly little point to trying to work things out. Healing a betrayal is time-consuming, difficult, and expensive. There's no guarantee that it will work, even under ideal circumstances. And without these two conditions, which require a good amount of self-honesty from both parties, it's not worth the attempt. What do you think? Have you gone through this process yourself? Let me know in the comments below, and thank you for listening.